Welcome to Power Tools to Success. This is a show about overcoming adversity and making a difference. Your host, Philip Rampisa, interviews guests from all walks of life to help you succeed. Hello and welcome to Power Tools to Success. My name is Philip Rampisa. This is a show where we speak to people that have made a difference in life. We do this to help you achieve your goals. It doesn't matter what your goals are, whether your goals are about your career, about entrepreneurship or relationships. Power Tools to Success is there to help you succeed. Today is truly exciting. We're going to talk to a man who followed his dream with only 350 rand. How inspiring is that? Listen through the show and find out. We're going to talk to Gabelon Cholo. Gabelo is the founder and CEO of Yourself Management. His organization is called Yourself Management. He is also an author of a book entitled How I Made My Dream Life with Only 350 Rand. So this is truly an exciting show. Keep listening because I'm sure you'll find inspiration from Gabelo's story and learn something so that you too can make your dreams come true. Gavelo, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for coming through to the show. You are amazing. <laughs> Your story is amazing. I can't wait to talk to you. But are you having a good ev- evening? Welcome to the show, man. Uh, Philip, thank you for such a platform. It always humbles me when um, everyone or people finds my story very amazing. For I am a, I'm a big believer that... Um, we all got an assignment in this world and we all got a purpose and we all um, come in a different ways to fulfill our assignment in this in this uh, world on this planet called Earth. And thank yeah. you again for, 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 for giving me this platform in your space. Yeah, very true, man. So, I mean, I've, I've, I've gone through your bio, I've read what you've done and I'm sure that my listeners will appreciate hearing from you and what you've done and they'll get truly inspired but man tell us like what was your upbringing like i mean because you know I, I know we can start with the interesting story about your entrepreneurial journey but yeah. you know when i read your bio i just asked myself like what sort of upbringing did you have like what were your influences you know where did you grow up and you know do you have brothers and sisters and where did you get your teachings? Was it from your mom? Was it from your dad? Was it like, or like me, did you have a grandfather? Yeah, so tell us about it, man. Um, in fact, it's very interesting um, um, how my upbringing has been or was, and, and which is something that I totally credit to who I am today. Um, just to take you back, right? Um, I'm the third child born um, out of the five or four siblings. We are five, um, all of us at home, um, born by a single parent who worked as a domestic worker. Um, we are raised, all of us, we are raised by um, our great-grandmother, may her soul rest in peace. And I think she instilled um, so much principles and so much things for us to be who we are today. Um, so... In your normal black family, right, Philip, you know you got like your rich aunt, uh, the top of uh, the hierarchy. Um, in my family, we were at the we were at the bottom. And, and when I'm saying at the bottom, it's just to give you a picture. Uh, here's this woman. 
Um, I think my mom had my sister when she was she was only 17 years old and continued to have um, five kids not married. And, and, and that just creates a picture of um, nothing, not have finished matric and so forth. So you, nothing much was expected out of us and, and only for our granny to take us in and to help us grow, to, to help us to, to be who we are today in a very humble background, back in the village, Kobapong, you know? And I'm not talking about even my, my granny, like my great-grandmother um, who took us in, in a mud house and that was full of love. Um, we had no TV. We spent most of the time where granny would um, send us to like ask our neighbors for tin fish for us to have dinner and so forth. So interesting in our household, we, we believed in something. My granny was a very believer, a very spiritual person. And, and, and was the, the people that pioneered what you will call the Pentecostal movement or the Pentecostal churches now, where every night would will be taught or would have um, a praying time and 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 read the Bible and be told that it doesn't matter who we are, we all exist for a reason, we all exist for a purpose, and God loves us all, and we we don't praise God who because of now we lack um now we need to start comparing ourselves with other people and and that was a bit of an upbringing that in the midst of us lacking or being in that disadvantaged background um there was a lot of affirmation that you were given um me and my siblings and my other cousins as well so when we finished when i finished my primary school uh, my granny asked my aunt to take us in um, and that's when I started to go stay in Mafia game with my aunt. Um, then I started to be exposed to um, basically I would say like a family or a balanced family because my aunt was married to um, um, one of the uh, her husband was was working as a soldier general back in Mafia game. And, and I got exposed to the family and I started to see how things are. And I think for me, that was a very good turning point for me because of it, it, it made me to become very um, aspiring in a way because of that was something that I said like, wow, um, I really aspire to have this type of life. And when I went and finished my metric and I finished my metric, I'm going to, again, going to stay in a township called it to sing. I'm going to stay with what I will call my, my older aunt, uh, which is my great grandmother's um, daughter, um, just for us to finish school. So there was something that was told with us was like, okay, um, the only way out, right? Um, and for us to stay with relatives, was for us to really study and invest in education. And and, and Mama, when I say Mama, I'm referring to my great-grandmother, um, always says that the only thing that can take us from the environment that we are in, uh, which is poverty environment or poverty environment, was education. So um, I was always on the top three because of it was someone that I really dearly, dearly loved. Um, I think uh, the love that she showed one, because our mom will only come once or twice a year and she will go back to go work in Cartonville where she was working as, as a domestic worker. So that's the type of environment that one grew up with. Um, I actually explain it in, in, the, in my books that I don't ever remember 
having to ask for uh, uh, shoes or, or or clothes one had to learn to mute his voice because you were always helped and uh, we, we we had to wait me and my siblings to be offered uh, whatever um, uh, our relatives will buy us so that's a type of environment that one had uh, one was coming from okay so you've had you've had that background and and it's good that you were i mean when you had your siblings and you you were just with your mom you know it was maybe sort of unstructured i'll say if that's okay and then you moved and you were with your aunt and you got to a structured environment and i mean you had all those teachings from your granny and when you were in the structured environment with your aunt you started um, aspiring so what I'd like to know now, and I, I know you are somewhere in your journey now because you've started a, a business and you're getting successful in that. So between your metric and starting a business, would you say you've always known what you wanted or were there times when, when you, you knew you wanted to be successful and stumbled, uh, I mean, upon maybe wrong decisions and things like that. But were, were you always certain about what you wanted or did it just become a trial and error between your metric and and perhaps university and starting a business? So so for me, it takes us back. And I think I was doing grade, um, grade two. Um, I still remember because the school that one we used to go to, the primary that we were at, um, it's in a hospital community. Um, and I remember I befriended um, um, a friend of mine, Homoto, and another guy, uh, Sienki. And um, one of my friends, a primary school friend, um, his dad was a doctor. And I remember um, going to his house. Um, and, and, and I think my horizon and the way I saw things as, as a seven-year-old changed then because one thing, honestly, it, 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 it intrigued the questions in me. I started asking questions. Why will they have such and, 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 uh, and our, our, our house or the background is quite, it's quite different, making me quite in, uh, inquisitive um, back then. And, and the second thing that um, I knew was I was ashamed of my background. I'm not going to um, uh, put it up. It was something that has pushed me to be who I am where I was ashamed and I would have um, do anything in my power then that I could um, change my background. I could have changed the type of house that we stayed at. And 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 when I started to learn about uh, Homoto's uh, 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 dad or father uh, being a doctor and and what did they have to do? And, and that propelled me to really do good at school. And that's why throughout my schooling or my junior school schooling years, I was always on the top three because of uh, I was quite clear. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to be, I wanted to be a doctor because if I could see that the doctors were, were somehow could change the environment or could change my background. So throughout my schooling year from seven years old, I knew that one thing I wanted to be was to be a doctor. So I was quite inquisitive what doctors does and whatnot. I was never... Um, I, I always say that my entrepreneurial journey, it was by pure default, total, total, pure default. But I look back in terms of 
how I was introduced to entrepreneurship and and all my life I was there. Like I did mention, like my, my first time I started selling, I was selling sweets doing grade two as a seven-year-old. So I had like a packet of sweets where my aunt visited and asked me what I would like. And I asked to be bought like a packet of sweets. And I still remember I would um, make money, had uh, 10 rent. And I just like the idea of uh, giving mama, which is my great-grandmother, some money and save it for me and go back and selling sweets. So my primary school, I was selling sweets. Um, my middle school, which is my secondary school, um, I was selling perfume, you know, I, I discussed it. And as a, I think I was 12, one of my uh, my cousins um, sent me to go buy a perfume um, for for her to some lady that was will come um, to, uh, to, to sing. And I found myself negotiating with a lady to give me basically about um, five bottles or 10 bottles, I think. And after buying that, then I will sell it for her. And what I will then do is I'll put my 100% markup into it. And interesting enough, <laughs> uh, people were buying those perfumes. And so that's how I I fitted in with, with uh, I will buy myself um, like a bit of clothes and send some money. So I look back with how as much as I was aspiring to be a professional, like in terms of a professional career, being a medical doctor, but at the same time, my whole journey, I've just been selling something. Wow. <laughs> you were already a shrewd businessman. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's survivor. And, and for me, it was, Philip, it was for surviving, right? And when I was there, I was, like I said, uh, one thing that I wanted to fit in as a teenager, um, adolescent stage, I think we all get to that stage. And I just, what propelled me or my, my why factor, my motivation factor was um, I wanted to fit in. So if I could make an extra 200, I could save it and buy myself, say for an example, an all-star because I, I couldn't go to my aunt and you know, the situations when you stay with your relatives and ask to be bought, say all-star or whatever clothing item that is relevant at the time. So that was something that I, I um, it, it was based on my background and based on uh, me trying to fit in and the shame of not being wanted to be associated or people to see through me um, that I am from whatever particular background that I'm in. And when I finished my trick um, to your question, I, I had a buzzery. I had to go and study uh, medicine um, at VET. Um, and, and because of before I, when I went to matric, I knew that I needed to get the right results. In fact, I got admitted with my grade um, standard nine, which is grade 11 results. So I knew like my matric was just a matter of a stamp. Then I got um, admission to VET to study medicine. And I then uh, let go of my perfume business, which is was giving me a bit of an income um, and focus strictly on, on, on my studies. Um, so I could get um, good marks and, and which is I did, I passed. Um, I was not one of those, you know, during our days, I don't know, Philip, how old you are during the days, the year 2000. 
um, the 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 the, the, um, uh, the marks or the metric results to be printed in the newspaper. But I was not one of those who woke up very early to go try to see my name. <laughs> Somehow I knew I passed. Um, and and come January uh, to go to vet, there was no money for me to go. Uh, literally, no one could afford me to get me a bus from Mafi Gang coming to Joburg um, and, and end up being at VET. Uh, I had to wait and my aunt could only give me money after the 15th because she worked at the nest. And I only arrived on in Joburg, in fact, 2001 on, on the 16th. I remember vividly it was on Saturday. And um, that's, that's how I got here. Just one of the tough days where I had no one there. The cousin who was supposed to wait for me at Park Station went back, you know, and, and I just, I remember breaking down on that particular Saturday after arriving with the bus and say, but why is, is it that one's life needs to be this hard? I got buzzery, I got everything. I did everything that I needed to do. Yet again, just for me to go study and, and, and try to change and, and not be selfish, not to do it for myself, but try to change it for my family. Yet, um, no one is here to pick me up. So I had two options. I had one option to go back to the ticket sales because my aunt has given me 2000 rent, go back to the ticket sales and take a, a bus home. But that means that I was, I was gonna go back to the village and that was not an option for me. So I saw some guy wearing a vet's uh, top and that's how I asked him, approached him and say, hey, where are you going? It seems like you're going to vet. And he's like, okay, you can follow me. But uh, I mentioned it also in my book to say um, what made me who I am today was those moments were a bit embarrassing when my great-grandmother used to send us to go ask, you know, in my language, Hokopa, you know, go to neighboring and whatnot. And we'll go ask and come back and we'll tell her the feedback to say, hey, mama, we are not comfortable by going to ask for sugar or going to ask for whatever that you need at the time. And she said, um, she will say something continuously, which is, Tabelo, you, you, you don't get worried about what people say and what people think. The thing is, at the end of the day, if I wanted sugar, I got sugar. So what people will say, because mouth is made to talk. So when you need something, you go and you not you shouldn't be worried what people will say. Um, or what type of a feedback you will you do by all means that you go out of your way to get what you need. If it means that you need to beg, ask someone, do something, and it's okay to do that because of you are working towards your um, your goal or whatever that it is. But at the same time, we will say that it's different to ask than to beg. Don't beg because of begging will means that you change your principles. Um, you becoming you are making the person a superior you ask and if a person cannot provide it's okay go ask somewhere else because of begging dehumanizes you so you need to know the difference so that's how we were brought and when i was at park station i remember those words somehow they came to me to say here i am i have nothing to lose let me just go and approach this guy um, who was wearing a vet t-shirt and ask him to say you're going to vet and not only ask him to is going to vet and also tell him to say that I do not have accommodation in Jobek. And to my surprise, he was saying to me, 
my brother is actually staying at Reds in, 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 in university and uh, he will be able to accommodate you. And, and this is basically the start of my entrepreneurial and who I am and how I became who I am today, basically based on those ethics of me willing to go and knock at doors and ask if I need anything. Wow. And how, how do, I mean, <laughs> I relate to so many things that you, you're saying. I mean, the vet's journey, you know, it, was, it used to be tough back then. I mean, I, like, I remember I also lived with my friend in Hillbrook. But, Gabriel, did you finish the course? I, I, I didn't. And that's why that's an interesting part. Because when after I've back the dean, the classes have commenced and um, I was placed for me to be a part of the year 2002 intake, um, I had to um, be at uh, Lenasia Hospital, um, whereby I then learned um, when I was working there um, after being exposed to the trauma unit that I'm actually um, allergic to blood. I fainted, <laughs> I think, um, three times. I still remember the doctor that I was shadowing. Which year was this? Was that, that your second year or fourth year? Or? No, it was the first. So I got oh, in late. Okay. After I got in late, so I couldn't be part of the first year intake. So they're like, okay, since you're like this, and so that you don't lose your buzzer, you don't lose everything, you then need to show that you did something for, I don't know if you went to vet, it was a school of health science then, right? So you then need to prove that uh, to apply for the year 2000 and, uh, 2002 intake and being part of the applications of the 2002 intake, you will then need to, I think I was given to spend, um, if not about 60 hours or something um, at a, a month that I need to account that this is indeed a profession that I like to be at and I would um, uh, be shadowing doctor just for me to see what they do so that when I start my year, the following year, then I will be part of the, the full intake. Um, doing that exposed me to like, I still remember any other words were okay. Um, when I was shadowing and I was exposed to the trauma intake, uh, the trauma unit, and I fainted um, in, in the exposure of excess blood, I think four times. And sure. I remember the doctor was shadowing um, he then set me down and says, hey, man, I think you like the idea of being called a doctor. You can study <laughs> and still have an HD. Oh, I don't think you will do well with this uh, career and whatnot. And um, um, honestly speaking, I, I just, I just, um, I detached from um, liking the career and, and I just didn't pursue it um, uh, after. Uh, the year 2002 when I was supposed to go in and uh, be part of the medical students. I didn't, I just dropped. And uh, that time I found my job as a waiter, uh, which is quite interesting as well, because if I had only 2000 and out of that 2000, um, I stayed uh, with some guys for like a month of um, say till the end of March. Um, then I had to find myself some place in Bramfontein that was quite shady. Um, and I found myself a job as a waiter. And some interesting enough, I just liked going and working at this restaurant, McGriff Family Restaurant, which is at Mill Park. Um, of course, for a few reasons. One was I could eat at the restaurant and whatnot. So I will go 
two lengths and come back and probably do the the night shift. And when I detached from the whole idea of being medical doctor, I was just strictly working working as 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 a as a as a as a as a waiter, and which is something interesting. And that's how my I met my entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, and I mean, I must say, I've got a lot of respect for you working as a waiter. To me, it sounds like a, an achievement also because, I mean, just like you, I finished my matric around, what, 1998 and 2000, yeah. and I didn't have, I didn't go to university. So I tried waitering and I got fired from a waitering job because I was from a rural village. I didn't understand olives and and, and letters and there's so many ingredients I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> do a waiting job. So you were much better than me, Cabello. But quite interesting. But I always then. say that's one job. Um, I always say to people that it, it's one job when you start your shift, you get promised to be fired. <laughs> oh man, does it actually happen? Do do a lot of people oh, get yeah. fired from waiting? No, what I'm saying is, it's one job. Like when you start to say, guys, we hope you're not going to mess up today. And if you mess <laughs> up, you literally need to leave the floor. Remember with waitering, you don't get salary um, and whatnot. So, and, and the whole rush, it, it's something else. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. So, so then you did waitering. And, and after that, I mean, you had like you made yourself a promise that you were going to stop waitering and start your own business. When was that moment? Um, you used, cause you've just mentioned that, um, that's when you met your entrepreneurial journey. There must've been a moment where you made a promise to yourself that you were going to start your own business. When was that moment? I didn't, I didn't see myself starting a business at all, Philip. And that's why in so many platforms, I keep on saying that um, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur by default, right? And I'll tell you how my entrepreneurial journey started. Um, to get in the details of this, I explain it on my book. And so it was just me working as a waiter. I was quite inquisitive, though. I would uh, be inquisitive with the owner who was young, and I just liked the, the power he possessed. And... Uh, the restaurant was within the hotel and I just somehow, um, as 18 years as I was, I just made a lot of friends with management of the hotel. When the restaurant was quiet, I would be at the kitchen. This is something that made me be able to learn cooking skill, be at the bar. You know, I was that type of, um, um, that type of a waiter who was quite inquisitive. You will never find me. I'm just standing around if it's not busy. I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to know what is what, right? And a previous year, I was doing metric and I went to, we did our metric for a while in a, in a community township hall and whatnot. So I remember few metrics. So the restaurant would host metric farewells. Man, the first one went and I just, there was a feeling of discomfort in me with those metrics because they will book one section of the restaurant and uh, patrons would be on the other side and we'd be told to just um, uh, advise them to keep the, the noise level down and whatnot. I'm just feeling like, ah, oh, man, you know, metric farewell, in, I'm not, I, I still think even today's level, it's, it was a big thing. You know, we express ourselves to us, it was the most 
we plan that thing forever. So I, I just put myself in the learners and feeling like, oh, they're not having the really best metric farewell. So on the third metric farewell, I remember approaching this guy, uh, my fellow waiter, his name is Papa, and say, Papa, you know, these people are not having metric farewells. They're not having the best metric farewells, you know. Um, and he challenged me and he says, Kamala, what do you mean? I was like, ah, man, I don't think they're having metric farewell. It's as good as coming to a restaurant and book a big table, do you understand? But they're not having the ball because one, uh, they, they, we, they, they have to go with the restaurant and now the speeches of the principal and whatnot, they still have to like uh, control themselves. So they are not free to express themselves. Right. Then Papa says to me, you know, what you want to do about it? And that was his way. It's like, okay, what do you want to do about it? And I'm like, what do you mean you want what I want to do about it? Then he says to me, you see, Cabello, we like complaining. Then he pointed at the chef. It's like, you see that chef there for two years, he's been talking about how well he can make better food than making the food that is here because of years to follow um, the menu and whatnot. But he's still here. And I promise you, you're going to complain forever and in two years time you're still here most of us on the floor you are just new right we thought it would be something but i promise you in two years three years time you're still gonna be with us and 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 i have that thing yeah you know what philip if if you want to really want to push me damn me you know and at that moment <laughs> he just he just said i'm gonna be here and i said papa let me tell you something. I'm going to host this <laughs> metric farewell school. I'm 18, bear in mind. I'm going to host this metric farewell schools the following year. I will not be a waiter forever. He's like, okay, sure. I mean, it's easy to say. I'm like, Papa, let me tell you, let's bet. And he said, okay, how much are you going to bet? And I said, 10,000 rand. I'm here uh, next year this time and we hosting metric farewells i'm i owe you ten thousand rand. Jeez, philip this guy will remind me every month hey, <laughs> dude, start, start paying ten thousand, like much next year 2002 now we are in 2002 you're even not going to vet anymore ah your career is here you know um feb march ah then he gets there I get used to it, right? And it just looks like you made a promise, Camilla, but it's far off, you know? Um, and I remember I was working a night shift and he just was so excited when I get to work and it was on the 30th of August, um, the year 2002. I haven't saved, it's on the 30th. So you worked as a waiter in Jobek, you know how much you depended on, on, on tips to pay rent and I had responsibility. I still had to send money back home. I have to, I had rented um, a house for my mom after learning that she was staying in a squatter camp. So I had some sort of responsibilities um, with what I was making out of a waitering job. Plus now I was, I was good because of what the responsibilities, I was good. I was, I was that waiter that I, I was pushing for having tips on a day and whatnot. So I was getting like a good tips on it. Thing. And that time I haven't saved. I get to the uh, to my shift, and this guy reminds me, and the boss is there. He reminds me, it's like, hey, dude, guess what happened? The first school came today, and they booked. Guess what that means? You owe me ten thousand. And he's saying that in front of everyone when we are getting a brief, and it's like everyone is laughing. 
Now, out of not thinking, Philip, I'm like, no, I can't succumb to such, you know? <laughs> I, then said, I then said to you, listen, um, this is my last day today. Um, I promise, I made a bet. So if one school called today, today is my last day working as a waiter. And everyone looked at me, what do you mean? What, what, what? Oh, you can't pay 10,000. Then they said to me, like, you could have paid it in installment and whatnot. I was like, no, guys, this is my last day. And, and that's all in my book. I say that when I stepped into my entrepreneurial or what made me who I am today and give me the life I'm living today, there was no aha moment. You know, there was a lot of doubt. In fact, I'm one entrepreneur that was pushed to like what I'm just telling you now. And I served the table and that night, somehow I got a table, a very difficult table, Afrikaners talking, and it was such a tough table. I have no money. And at least I had money to go back or the 20 rand to go back. And here, part of my night, I'm just asking myself to say, but what are you thinking about? You know, you have responsibilities, you have this, are you really gonna quit? Here you are, you are not having like a good night. This table seems like it's not going to tip you. Interesting enough, the table after everything else, they what they had, I think the bill was about 2,600. I actually um, had that bill for a very long time. And, um, I still have that bill, even framed it. Um, after they, wow. they, they paid, then they gave me a tip of 350. Somehow, I don't know how to explain it right. I, I got that tip of two, uh, 350 um, and, 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 and I hold on to the bill. As I was holding on to the bill, in my mind, I got questions, what am I going to do? That same month of September, so this is August, right? September was my most terrible uh, uh, month. I had chicken pox. I was uh, uh, chased out of my uh, the, the 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 flat I was staying at because of I could not pay rent, so I was oh. squatting, staying with with things, and there was a lot of questions like, did you make the right decisions by leaving? Do you want to oh. go back again? And something kept on saying no, but you know what? Don't go. Eventually, on the I think it was just mid of September, with the same money. I started uh, making leaflets and by then I was like, okay, I, I'm going to create um, a profile, when to type and when to, to vet, in fact, because I had a friend there type at the, at the library, making these leaflets with word um, printed out. Um, I've taken the data of um, the information of the schools that were coming through. And I went to the schools and I was presenting myself as a rep. I'm like a representative, so it's not my business. Shocking enough, um, the by beginning of, say, the end of October, which is around now, uh, the year 2002, I had four schools that have agreed that I can host their metric dance. Four schools charging one school 25,000 rand. And that's why I always say that's how I literally made my my first 100,000 as an entrepreneur. But, wow. but it's... it's it, it was like that, but I tell you, a month before, I had a lot of questions. A month before, I had no place to stay. I was questioning if I I, I made the right decisions for me to do what I did. And um, I started hosting the Matriki Farewells. And so imagine, now I got exposed to, like, wow, Cabello, you can literally, through what you think with your mind, 
um, you can do um, turn yourself into this half hundred thousand. And I, I just um, October before I just turned nineteen. Basically, it was I was eighteen because my my birthday is in November. So before I turned nineteen, I was be able to convince the whole schools for the, for me to host them. So that's how I started my entrepreneurial journey. Um, Amazing. It was, not, it was not something that I set like a business profile. Wow. Just to give you an idea, my business name is Yourself Management. How the name came, right? And I said there, I was like, okay, I need to create these people, metric dancers like themselves, like if, as if it's you creating your own event. You understand? So I came up with that name as for lack of ways to express myself better as them i will i will i would host their metric dances as if it will be them preparing for it because they know what they want right so that's where the name came and i call it yourself function organizers yourself meaning you saving you the way you want to be saved wow so that's how i came up with the name it was just just at that moment, then I wrote it down and I put it as yourself function organizers. And even the registrations of my businesses by pure default, going to vets, doing a ball for vets, uh, a mining society. And they asked me to say, okay, what is the name of the business? And I had like a, a friend, this is now 2004. And a friend comes back and says, um, no, man, you can't say yourself function organizers at vets. So I went in, I, I, I put it there and I say, yourself events management. Then after hosting the vets uh, mining ball, um, which is, was worth about 100,000. And, and, and also now they gave me a check. They're like, okay, here's a check, right? I take it, the check, I go to FNB. As I go to the FNB, FNB goes like, yeah, you have your, your personal account with us, but you don't have a business account. I had to ask the teller, <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, and the teller, this, this, this check, right? It's, it's, it's for the business, which is the business name is called your self-management. And I was like, oh, okay, but I'm your self-management. I'm the business. <laughs> they, they know. <laughs> Doesn't, it's not like that, right? And they showed me, a comp, uh, 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 I think it was Abraham's, right? They're like, okay, if you go to that block down there, there's an office that does company registrations. I get that they are telling me to say, dude, you need to provide three names at least in case they take it this way. <laughs> and like, you go, your self-management. <laughs> like, listen, no, there was no way. And I said that, and I'm arguing with them. It's like, you guys don't understand. There's 100,000 to this name already. So... <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what I want, it's we need to get... The name so there was yourself events management and that's how we got yourself management just to show you even from the registrations of the business how i ended up registering the business working in uh, in a formal way because of from 2002 to 2000 just before that uh, uh, vets uh, uh, check i was just dealing everything from myself so to me, I'm a, I call myself a default or by a default entrepreneur. Yeah, and one could say you didn't choose entrepreneurship, you know. Entrepreneurship chose you. And wow, amazing. And now, Yo Cabello, so 
how did you i mean that was then you had a hundred thousand then you registered the business but man i mean everything that happened to you was almost like destiny in a way and it's just amazing how in the midst of problems you just thought i'm going to print pamphlets and i'm going to advertise and this is what i'm going to do usually when people are faced with such challenges they just they feel down they they it's almost like they are sinking and you know but just how you did that is truly amazing please tell us about about growth though because you had the hundred thousand and i mean you had to grow from that and you had to continue to be sustainable and at some point I'm sure you've had to employ people and you've had to have some form of administration in your business. So how did you grow into that to a point where you are now running a fully fleshed business? So you just said, like, what was the thing? You see, my background contributed so much to me and that's why I'm saying, you know, uh, I will do anything. Um, at the time, it looks very painful. It looks very disadvantaged. But it gave me what I would call the tenacity because, you know, I'm from a household whereby um, no is not an option. Do you understand? Like, like, like my granny and but for what she wants, if she didn't have. It was embarrassing, but, but I starting to realize how much um, one I was just taking that in like especially when it tells you to say whatever that you need you need to but at the same time no is not an option quitting is not an option just because of things don't go your way it's not an option and you don't complain so another thing you know my brothers and my siblings you would agree with complaining to my late great grandmother was not or not shall be what to complain huh. right so you will not we are not given in a platform to complain. We are like Onosha P, you are like to say, what do you mean? You know, who is this? Mafukohayo used to be, oh no, what like it's a Haleman. Never saw a little psychologist. They just, uh, <laughs> yeah, like seriously, like if we are complaining about something, it would be like, who are you thinking it should happen to? So coming from that, right, and, and, and what I am and what I'm still developing, it's, there has been, as much as I'm saying those things, there's been so many opportunities that were literally saying to me, quit, quit, quit. But I couldn't. And and reason being, especially um, based on what you have said and what I've promised me. So I knew one, um, from the age of seven, I, I dreamed of myself being successful. I was ashamed of my background. I wanted to change um the situation so dire at home so whatever that i was doing i was doing just to to get that picture and i, I would daydream i would daydream like having my own car like my house and so many things as young as i was and at that time so i had that full picture in my mind so it was not an option and every single thing that i was doing was always being propelled towards what you want to achieve so when i started with this metric dances as well because of there's a lot of uh, uh, planning you know the exposure of the hotel how the hotel was and that's why i kept I, I i told you earlier i was exposed to the whole management of the hotel i knew i could not work alone one 
So believe you me, the girlfriend was working at those metric dances. The guys, my friends, they still make jokes about it that I owe them for what they have made or contributed towards what I am. So I was never a person who works alone throughout. And I was there. And the first thing that I did, I, I, I might say this to you, is 18 Jerusalem Street, if you follow my journey, after I got that 100,000 of metric dances, I went and opened the office. Just the wow. fact that I forgot alone an office at 18 Jerusalem Street. You know, one was I went to the school as a representative and I had to somehow tell them where the office is. And that's how oh. I ended up opening, <laughs> opening that office. So in that office, I and bear in mind, I can only email if you I had to get um a guy that I was we are just working with and working. So somehow I just had people working around me. So after that, um I did a bit of club promotions and now how I got into where I am now was uh, the year 2005. While I was working at, um, I was uh, promoting one club called, back in the days called uh, Rhino Bar in Bramfontein. So um, there was a lady there, Kate, um, and, and she just liked the hype. And I was like, yo, Gabelo, you, you like this? Because they came through our night. <clears throat> and um, I had a sponsor then, one of the alcohol sponsors that were sponsoring the night and just liked everything. And I was like, wow, this is quite impressive. Listen, um, we... Actually, I'm a PA to uh, Michelle Combrick, who ran a marketing agency, Wara Wara. We're having an issue with um, promotions in Soweto, right? Um, uh, me being Gabriela, like, uh, can you do, do you know Soweto? Guess what my answer was? I ask no more. Yes, I understand it very well. I've never <laughs> been to Soweto. And kind of long story short, gave me an opportunity I went and went, I did the promotions in Soweto. First time ever doing things in Soweto. Did the promotions well. Michelle called me to her office because I wanted to see who is this young, like this young man with energy that was able to execute the promotions when, according to her, like her, was she's been getting a lot of pushbacks. There will be a lot of excuses and whatnot. I got to her office, Zinto Marketing. It was in Limbro Park. I daydreamed again and I was like, wow, I'd love to own something like this. There were like people around going up. I explained it vividly on my book and as she came back on my back. It's like, hey, come through to my office. To cut the long story short, I sub she subcontracted so much of her services um, the following year, which is where the year, what, 2006. Uh, 2006 and 2007, I made my first million rent through here, you know, and, and, and at that age and things just, just changed. And however, one of the things I have to mention to you, I mean, I was young, 25, um, now starting to like drive any car and whatnot. Um, in two years time, which is the two, 2009, I was down and out because she stopped giving me business. I hired friends um I, I had the office which is now i've moved from 18 jerusalem then i moved to an office just opposite uh where boston college is now um there's a office called advantage house and i took the whole floor and i just like the fact that i was i could be adrian you remember my my the owner of the restaurant and i 
I was in control. 2009, took the business because we were no longer servicing the business. And one of the turnaround that made me who I am today was she she sat me down in her office and says, Cabello, you know, what's the problem? Is the fact that you have reached the niche of or the, the, the top or you reached your summit of your dream mountain. All you oh. wanted to do was to survive. Oh. And because of wanted to survive, you have money, you have access of money. Your head is bigger and it's killing your neck. As wow. of today, I will not give you a business. And tell you what, Philip, like towards the end of 20, 2009, I think I was, I was depressed. <clears throat> I was sleeping, waking up because now you, you had money. You how how old were you then? 25, you said, hey? Yeah, 26. Yeah, yeah. Huh. you used to have money into your account and that money's not there. People know you by Cabello. Uh, I think I was driving the red uh, Mercedes-Benz C230 Coupe, you know. So I have moved totally like 360 from the background that I was. And, and I just like the idea of new people, new friends, entertainment. And honest truth is, I'm not contributing that much to my back at home i'm not building i'm just sending them money like as normal and i just liked the idea of what it was and towards the end and i was just lost everything and when she set me down and i I kept on i used her as my mentor but the initial part of the mentorship was not working because of i had money so to me as 26 most of my peers even the ones that are studying medicine they're not even making money that I was making. So it was difficult for me to comprehend any advices that I was, only when things were starting to be hard. And said to me, Cabello, you see, the problem is now you you survived, now you're making money, now nothing makes sense to you because of you are at the ultimate. You might as well as die. You see, you, you have not had a picture in your mind or vision in your mind where you see your company turning 50 years old. And when you still think about the company turning 50 years old, you then have to go and look at the current companies that are within that mark of 50 years. What type of business they are, they are multinationals, what turnovers they have, how many offices they have, and says that till you think like that, then you can call yourself an entrepreneur. So what you just been doing, you just been hustling so that you can feed yourself. You know, so if you are not making a difference to other people, you're not creating jobs and you're not even contributing to the economy and you are not an entrepreneur. So sat and took a book up and was like, okay, this is what an entrepreneur does. And and I think that opened so much eyes for me, Philip, because of I started planning the the yourself, the business 10 and 50 years. What type of business will I like to to run? And and set me down and says that you see because of you don't know nothing about business. You all all you know is about survival. You I will give you an advice. You need to go to school. Based on that advice, and that's why I started going and 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 uh, um, uh, going back to my studies um, and 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 studying masters in business administrations MBA. Um, secondly, was like you need you can afford. So instead of you fueling your lifestyle and whatnot, have a full-time psychologist, someone who's going to work on your mental wellness, who's going to train your mind, 
um, to take rejections, who's going to train your mind for you to be a better person, to be a better husband, to be a better father, and to be a better CEO and a better executive and a better acquaintance in the business world. So if you follow my journey, which is I've put down in a respect of time on my book, you'll realize that as of 2015, I had a full-time psychologist, someone that is working full-time on me, went back to school. Reason being, I, I then have a bigger dream. So as much as I could make X amount of money, that X amount of money, it's not even close to what I want this business to be. And after that talk of 2009, because if I had a breakthrough starting to work um, 2010, early 2010 and whatnot, I mean, 20, you're talking of the, the business now, your self-management, where we, are, we survived COVID, we survived a hell lot of things. We have five offices, uh, head office in Johannesburg, um, office in Cape Town, Devon, Namibia, and Zambia, on the edge of opening a branch in Nigeria. And, and that came about as a result of that. Um, the business that um, I, I pride myself where I work with young professionals and the recruitment things that we have, but people that have started master uh, uh, honors that they actually come and work with me. and. Just because of they found me at the space whereby um, growth didn't find me not prepared. Now I'm more prepared. And more than anything else, I am more hunger. I have more hunger. And I know the reason why I have to do what I did. So that's basically the, the, the journey that I found myself in to say that I found myself in this entrepreneurial journey by default through mentorship and I'm starting to understand and starting to shape the visions and everything. Now wow. I say to people, it's so difficult for me to quit, whether how hard COVID was. How do I quit on my vision when I dream of this business 10 and 50 years old? Sure. How do I quit on this vision when I dream of this business having an office somewhere in New York, in the USA? How do I quit when I look and I want to leave something that will be of a legacy? to the generations to come. My kids and their kids, they should never ever grow up being ashamed same way as I was. Because if I know what poverty can do, poverty can mute you, poverty can make you toxic, poverty can do can make you who you're not. And for you to be liberal, um, it takes one person to really live life based on, and in a purposeful way, do an assignment. And you go back and the very same mother that um, used to be looked down in a family based on I took the step that I did is highly respected in my community. I spoke about it in my book to say, my mom goes like, yo, Kabela, I get so much respect. They don't even call me by my name. They call me like Kabela's mother, Mama Kabela, you know, and that is able to do something. And for me, it is one tick fulfilled. My granny, when she passed on, she she spoke to me and was so grateful that I was able to bring so much honor to the Ncholo family. That when you mention Ncholo now, unlike before, when you mentioned my surname, it was associated with poverty. Today, when you mention my surname, it's associated with a respect, entrepreneurship, and to even to the level whereby you, Philip, you would have a moment and want to talk to me. 
Amen to that. Cabello, thank you so much for coming through. I don't think there's much to say after that. <laughs> thank you. Really, man, you, you are truly a blessing and this is so inspiring. I really don't think there's much to say. I mean, after that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's possible for like the black child. It's possible. I always say that um, we should take me if and 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 so many people your 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 listeners and your viewers they they are in a far better positions and coming from a far better background than i am and they should challenge themselves and say that if cabello could do it with such background what about them with everything like allowing them to do you know we can stretch ourselves as 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 as, as black people especially like black people where we can really work towards a purpose. One of the things that I always say that um, our success shouldn't come at the cost of someone's grave. We shouldn't build our houses of success and the foundations of our houses is someone's grave. It's possible for us to go to the top and take in one another. Because of when we become successful, we are affecting our immediate community, we are affecting our immediate families. Um, a people that are close to us, they're starting to see that it's possible that this success can live from Babong, from that village. Someone from your, wherever you're coming from, they can relate with you better because of the, they know your journey, they know your story, they know anything than reading someone they don't know. And that's why it says that as entrepreneurs, as young people, as young professionals, we don't owe um, growth, we don't owe success to ourselves, but we owe it to the whole nation or to the whole black nations in general, to our community. Someone else is looking at us to say, if we can really do it, that means I can do it too. Thank God you. God bless you, man. God bless you. Thank you so much. Eh? I took so much of your time. I appreciate it. <laughs> Me too. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gabriel, for coming through. God bless you. Okay, thank you. God bless you too, man. Thank you. Well, guys, you've had it right here on Power Tools to Success. I do not think there's much more to say after that. Remain inspired. Move all mountains and obstacles that stand in the way of your success. Do not dare give up on yourself and your dreams. Thank you for joining us. To consult, reach us, or subscribe to our newsletter, please visit www.philiprampisa.com.